everyone. Yeah. Hope you had a good lunch. Um, so, so, to, so now, now we're going to move on to the uh, the future futures market. So we've gone through the concept of the uh, the interest rate spread, the bid offer spread. Interest is a market phenomenon, so consequently it has a, a bid offer a spread. And we went through how the floor and the ceiling are set. And as a re-emphasis, this was discovered by Professor Feketer. And hugely, huge leap in understanding, in the completion of the theory of interest. So um, now we're going to be looking at a variation on that uh, to do with the uh, futures market. Now, the futures market is, is also a market phenomenon as well. And a futures contract, just in case anyone's unsure, allows one to establish the price of the purchase or sale of a good now for delivery at a set date in the future. And does anyone know where the first futures contracts developed? Japan. Japan for the rice rice futures and they've been uh, they've been rice futures in Japan since the early 18th century so there's a very very long history of, of, of there being a uh, futures market and it evolved spontaneously the futures market evolved spontaneously and it was to satisfy obviously the needs of producers and consumers of that, uh, that good in question. And it was a remarkable achievement of human coordination as well. There's no question about that. Right, so whenever I'm talking from now on, um, I'm talking uh, about examples that are under the backdrop of a real gold standard. So um, I'm not talking about the regime that we're in um, at the moment. So, um, the relationship, so you have, uh, to uh, doubly emphasize, you have the spot market for a good, and you have a uh, futures market. Now, there may be a relationship between the two. So for, the, uh, for, the, for let's say, the spot copper market and the three-month copper future, there might be a relationship between the two. There might not. And we're going to go into the exact mechanics about when there is a relationship and when there isn't a relationship. So, the futures market and the uh, spot market are closely linked by the ability to warehouse the good in question. Okay? So, um, if you can warehouse the good, 
then there will be a rigid relationship between the spot and the futures market. If you can't warehouse the goods, then there is no necessary relationship between the futures and the spot market. Now, Could you give an example? I will, I will. Um, when I pick up analysts' report, reports from, let's say, Goldman Sachs, and they are looking for the market expectation of the future price of gold, they will plug in the futures curve after the current spot price to say this is what the market thinks the gold price will be in the future. Now, that is, that is a mistake. And it's, not, it's, it's, it's a very common mistake. It's not only Goldman Sachs that do it. Everyone does it. Um, effectively, before I elaborate on that, you have to think about the following. How often does the, um, the placing of bets on the outcome of a football match influence the football match? You know, it should never be the case that the, the market for the bets on the outcome of the, the football match influence the football match. In a non-rigged market. In a non-rigged market, yeah. <laughs> um, So normally, um, there is no relationship between an event and a bet on the event. Okay, but if you uh, if you can warehouse the good in question, there will be a relationship because there's arbitrage that can be done. Um, now, for an example, for a good so futures markets. Um, it's correct to say that a futures market is giving what the market thinks the futures price, future price will be if there's no ability to warehouse the good in question. Now, an example of that is the market for euro dollars. So the euro dollar market is a, is a futures market where buyers and sellers meet to determine the short-term interest rate at various periods in the future. All the way, you get maturities all the way up to 2015, 2016. Now, if you look at one of these interest rate future contracts, they're given as a, as, so if the market thinks the interest rate is going to be 3%, the way that the future will be quoted is 100 minus three, which is 97. So, Let's, let me write that down. So, let's say you have 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, and it goes um, 98, 99, 99 and a half, 99 and three quarters. So, the market thinks that the short-term interest rate in 2012 will be 2%, 1%, half a percent, a quarter of a percent, 100 minus that. That's just the way they quote it, I don't know why. Um, so, 
Do you think there is any way to, to hedge that contract? What the short, there's, there's no way to hedge someone writing this futures contract. There is no cash market for the short-term interest rate in five years' time. There's no ability to warehouse the underlying, the underlying asset or the underlying result of what this futures market is saying. And another example where the futures market does give what the market think, the, thinks the futures, future price will be is the volatility market, so VIX. So, yes, Goldman Sachs and the like are right, but gold and certain other goods, many other goods, which you can warehouse, it doesn't mean that at all. There is an arbitrage relationship which um, will be exploited that means that the futures price will be uh, related somehow to the uh, spot price. So the two things to consider are, when you're thinking about a futures market, can one warehouse the good in question that underlies this futures market? And the subsidiary question to that is the existence of a lending market for that good in question. Okay? So, obviously one can warehouse gold. No, warehouse. Um, and, well, forget gold. One, let's say copper. Okay? One can warehouse copper. You can buy copper, put it in a warehouse. Um, the existence of a lending market for the good in question. So that means, can one borrow copper? Can one lend copper? Well, you can. There is a very, not very, there's a, there's a market for the, for the leasing of, of copper. I can call up a broker and he will lend me copper on, on, a, on a particular interest rate basis and I can borrow copper itself. So, the ability to warehouse and to the existence of uh, lending markets. Okay, so these are the two things which you must consider when you're considering futures markets. Now, Should one and two exist, the market rate of interest will be involved in the relationship between the futures and the spot market. The market rate of gold interest, remember I'm speaking on everything under a, a, a gold standard, as well as the market rate for the loan on the good itself. So these two things will influence the relationship between the spot and the futures market. And I'll explain how later on. So the market rate for the loan on the good, copper, it's, it's not normally denominated in terms of the good itself. You don't pay back a copper loan in X 
the principal plus a certain amount of copper. Okay. The, uh, the market rate for that loan is usually expressed in terms of the gold interest rate. So that's an important, important thing to grasp. Okay? So we'll go through an example now. Very simple example. Um, one where the ability to warehouse exists, but there is no lending market for the good, for the good in question. And so an example of that would be a local apple market. So apples are harvested, let's say, once a year, towards the end of July. And apples can be stored without rotting for six months. So people naturally want to eat apples at any time of the year, just not merely when they're in season. So the desired apple consumption, if you can have them, remains pretty much uh, constant throughout uh, the year. Now, should a local futures market for apples develop for some reason, then an arbitrage-based relationship between this market and the market for immediate apples, or cash apples, spot apples, will occur. And the prevailing rate of interest will have a say in that arbitrage relationship that develops. So, it, it would be good just to talk about the distinction in the nature between apples and copper. Apples have a periodic production. Copper doesn't have a periodic production. There is no, there is no periodicity in the production of copper. Okay, so apple... Apples are perishing. And apples are perishable, yeah. And apples are perishable is another difference. Um, so the production of apples follows periodic, periodic patterns. So during harvest season, there are plenty of apples for sale from the farmer. And the farmer can sell either directly to the market at that time or to the warehouseman. Now, the warehouseman in this case is the person that's been granted the duty of storing apples for consumption throughout the year. So outside of harvest season, the farmer has no apples to sell, obviously. So if you want apples outside of season, you'll have to go to the warehouseman to get it. So depending on where the uh, autumn apple future is, let's say, that will influence where the, uh, the warehouseman will bid for the farmer's apples. And what the warehouseman will do is he will buy the farmer's apples as they're coming onto the market and sell the autumn future. And the spread between the price of the farmer's apples and the autumn future falls. Okay? So, what we have is 
Apple production, which looks something like this, say. And latent demand for the consumption of apples, that looks like. This is where another pen would be useful. <laughs> that's, uh, you can't all see that, but that's what it's meant to be representing. You haven't been given, handed this out yet. Okay, so this represents the production, and this represents the, the, latent, uh, the latent apple demand. So these peaks are one year apart? One year apart. <coughs> so, when uh, the, um, the, the warehouseman buys apples, spots apples, if he's buying spot apples, he buys at what price? The bid or the ask? Yes. And he sells the autumn future, it will be at the at the bid of the bid of future. Okay? Actually, I'm not aware that the existing studies or handbooks on future trading recognize this. Really? I, I, I mean, you are the first one, and only one as far as I'm concerned, mm. okay. who brings manger into futures trading. Well, okay. and, I, and I'm quite sure this is a very, very important uh, step, which has been missing up to now, and I think you are path-breaking here. <laughs> Thanks, Professor. <laughs> no, I have to say that, because you may not realize that. I mean, I've been watching the future markets for uh, 40 years. And, uh, bought all the books and uh, promotional material from brokerages and I have never never seen anything reference to the building So I have to give you uh, I have to command you well, that this is a great uh, achievement. I, I can say I've talked to, tried to talk to my broker about putting on some of these trades. He doesn't really understand what I'm trying to do, even when I describe it to him. I do. And they're not even interested. No. They just want your commission. They also think the spot market means the near future. But this, again, is all under the assumption we're in the gold standard era. Yes. And yet, we're not. I know that's not that's not that's not relevant. Why your broker is not either? Okay. So he buys spot apples at the ask and sells autumn futures at the bid. 
Okay? And that, the difference is defined as the basis. So, Apple future hit minus spot Apple ask. Okay? That is defined as the, uh, the basis. Now, when you annualize this, it's called the carry. Annualize what? When you annualize the basis, you get something called the carry. It's a percentage growth. Percentage growth. Because this will be, let's say... Well, yeah, or in case... It could be a percentage drop. Yeah. Yeah. How do I annual? I'll tell you that later. Okay. Um, that's not relevant. Just could be positive, could be negative. Yeah. It could be positive or negative. And could be rising or falling. Absolutely. Okay. But um, just remember this definition here. Make a note of it. So what happens is that. When the, where the farmer um, buys these apples and sells the future, the carry falls. He contracts the um, he contracts that spread, that premium, by the mere fact that he's um, doing it, and the carry falls. So carry falls. I've got this pen here. I don't know whether it will make it worse or better. What is the reason why you have to distinguish between bases and carry? Um, just because um, this could be a um, this will be an irregular time period. So if you want to compare apples with apples, you have to uh, annualize it. That's the only difference. Yeah, I mean, if you want to look at, let's say, the basis on apples versus the basis on oranges, apple futures might be every January, March, May. Orange futures might be every, every month in between those. So if you want to compare them like for like, you can't just take the difference between the future and the spot and just look at them side by side you have to look at it on an apples for apples basis or oranges for oranges basis which is why you have to analyze it okay is that clear it's not for me can i ask a question at this mm? does that mean that if you have something like copper which is produced regularly throughout the year that you actually don't need to quite carry um is it no, you do, because the futures contracts are only every sort of three months or so. Yeah. I mean, obviously, spot copper is available at, um, at any time you want. Um, so, so that's the reason. 
don't get worried too much about the difference between basis and carry. Just remember that the, the carry basis references the, the bid on the future and the, uh, the ask on the uh, Apple, ask on the spot. Okay. The warehouseman watches the uh, basis. Hmm. So when does he get the incentive to add to his stocks? Uh, could you just? You see, the, the the warehouseman is most likely to get a premium for doing this when the production is at its maximum. Because when the production is at its maximum, there's likely to be a depressed spot market, cash market. So he looks at what the future, the bid on the futures, the next futures contract is, and he says, right, I want this minimum return, so this is where my bid is for, uh, future, for, for cash apples now. And he is likely to get his largest return from doing this when the season is, is, is at its peak, when you're getting loads and loads of apples onto the uh, apple market. And after harvest season, the carry falls as he's doing this. Okay? Um, so, it's now out of season, so. And when the farmer sells apples in storage at the warehouse and buys back any futures against it, he references something else. Okay? And what he references... So just to summarise, at this moment, the apple warehouseman has bought... Um, apples and sold apple futures and for that he references the basis so now it's, it comes time to unwind that okay um, and he references the um, something called the co-basis. So now it's out of season, and let's say it's in the middle of winter, and he wants to, uh, there's, a, there's a big apple demand. So he wants to unwind all of this, um, all of the apples that he's stored. So he looks at the uh, bid on apples, spot apples. What are people willing to pay for spot apples? And he references the ask on the futures. Okay? And the reason he does that is because if he's selling apples to whoever, as he sells apples, he needs to unwind the, uh, the futures uh, position he had in the first place. 
Now, uh, it's probably slightly belated, but why does the warehouseman, when he's buying apples, why would he, uh, if, why would he want to sell futures against it? To hedge his market risk. Hmm. Okay. So that's, um, that's the reason he sells futures against buying apples. It's to hedge his price risk on, on apples. So he's only earning a very narrow spread. A very, very narrow spread. As you would expect, because warehousing is not a um, intellectually challenging activity. Okay. Um, so the um, the bid on spot apples. Minus the ask of the futures, of the future is defined as the co-basis. And when you annualize this, you get the D-carry. Okay. And this is what is not known okay. in the uh, in the trade presently. This is these both concepts are new: the co-basis and the D carry, yeah. which is which is really amazing with all that history of future trading. They did not come to the point that they refined the studies to the to that level. It's really amazing. The basis was known? Hmm? The basis the theory about the basis was known or is it yeah. and on the on the on, on the co basis is new or both are new? <laughs> well, no, ne neither was known. They just look at the difference between the futures price and the spot price. They don't, they don't think, they don't...